Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today is our own pianist and resident, Sam Page. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And I have a question to start everything off today. The question I want to ask is this. Does fortune really favor the bold? <laughs> See, the question we're go- we're going to be able to answer that question today because we actually have fortune here to answer the question. I mean, you don't you, you don't often get that opportunity. This is really cool. <laughs> no pun intended, it. right? <laughs> Every pun intended. What are you talking about? A little bit of both, both intended and not. <laughs> uh, well, no, to say that I, I do absolutely believe that fortune does favor the bold. We've been around for several generations now. Um, and the thing is, we tend to have only like one son. So, uh, even though we've been kind of bored, <laughs> kind of bored about keeping this gene line going. <laughs> so for listeners who are wondering, what the heck is he talking about? My guest's name is Orlando Fortune. That's where this is coming from. And you know, when, when your last name is Fortune, you kind of have a responsibility to the rest of the public because they're all dependent. On, I mean, how many people are looking for good fortune, right? Well, he's right here. There he is, guys. I mean, oh, come absolutely. on. This absolutely. I, and I felt <laughs> so – I like that I like that idea so much. That's what I named my marketing company. It's called Good Fortune Marketing. Nice. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yes, that is that, great. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, Sam, how how bad could things be when you're calling your company Good Fortune Company, right? And it just works so perfectly. It's your name already, and it's it just aligns so perfectly. So Line that in itself together. is good fortune, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope it has been so far. So I love far. that. So uh, I know you're a graduate of Howard University. You actually considered playing professional basketball. We'll have to ask baseball. you a little bit about that. Oh, I'm sorry, baseball. Excuse me, not basketball. Professional uh, baseball. Um, but you also have uh, other interesting aspects to your story. So why don't you just give us like that three-minute biography. Tell us, you know, who you are, where you've come from. We know your name is Fortune, but tell right. us about the rest. All right. Um, first, I appreciate the opportunity to get on here. Um, I do believe in happiness as a tool for personal development, personal growth. I had to go on my own journey to find my way back to my own happiness. And I, and I actually shifted it more towards joy and believing that um, no one, I would never allow anyone to take my joy because we can even be sad and still have joy. Love so I had, to, I had to come to that mindset shift through a lot of things that I put myself through by being too bold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So you actually can be too bold. That's good to know. Yes, right. yes, yes. So, but I, I went to, I went to Howard University on a full athletic scholarship for uh, baseball, played there all four years, had an opportunity to go play, play professional ball with uh, in Canada for Montreal. Uh, but I turned that down. Instead, I went to go work for the government. Because I had a son, and there's something about the black, the black families that believe that the government's one way of having a long-term success. So I was oh, like, okay. all right, all right. <laughs> I'm just going to go in there with the government, and I'm going to be good. But then, well, let's be even, honest, I too. I mean, minor league baseball is not an easy career. No, it wasn't. There's no, no money in there. I mean, you're basically was, just hanging on a wing and a prayer that you might get that call up someday. Exactly. And I, was, and I had a son already and i wanted to be a good father provide like as my father did for for me and my sister that and as you said the opportunity in the baseball was was large the opportunity is large but sure. it doesn't mean that you start off with it right and i was right. looking at like half of what i was going to make coming out of college and i was yeah. like mm-hmm. and so i stayed start working for the government and i started using y'all taxpaying dollars i'm not sure sam was quite old enough to be paying taxes but uh <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I started using your taxpaying dollars to start learning about wealth and how to grow wealth particularly. Mm -hmm. And what I kept hearing about was real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. Uh -huh. So I went and started purchasing, trying to buy real estate on people like Robert Allen teaching me I had no money down for the 2000s. So Robert Allen, wow. Do. I've yeah. heard that name in years. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of my mentors back in the day. Right. And so as I start trying to buy real estate, I also was trying to overcome this this heart heartache with a, a woman that was my fiance in college. I was mm. still dealing with that. Uh, and to, for women, I got to give it to y'all deal with heartache better than men. When we go down <laughs> our rabbit hole, we are broken. Like we are broken. <laughs> so I was trying to figure that out. And I started learning um, how to be a better man by from a pickup artist. Oh. And I went to a guy named David D'Angelo. And those of you who are in the internet marketing world know him as Eben Pagan. So his original name when he came out as a pickup artist was David D'Angelo. He was actually one of the originators who started selling PDFs and eBooks online. Really? Very okay. well. That he was one of the first people to ever do that on the internet. So when I bought one of his early books, Double Your Dating, because <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. Okay. And, <laughs> and through that book, I started learning personal development. I started learning about affirmations. I started learning how to connect and build rapport and start and being a better man to attract a better woman. So I'm on those two journeys, how to build money and how to be a better man. Uh, and as I started learning how to be a, do both of them, I started making more money with the real estate. I started, start, finally started making uh -huh. money with real estate. And then I graduated from, because I still had a little depression from this woman. It's just they do it. That's what I went through. And <laughs> we all go through it. Let's be if there anybody out there who doesn't go through it, they're probably not listening to this program. So yeah, yeah see, exactly. There's a reason why. Yeah, happy and happy, right? So I started. I went. I graduated from the poor man's drugs, which is weed to the rich man's drugs with cocaine and cocaine. <laughs> I would, <laughs> this is my story. Why y'all laughing at me? <laughs> Just, just, just the labels. The labels are just killing me. But yeah, it was more that. <laughs> and it went, I went downhill um, fairly quickly and then kind of leveled out and then went way downhill again mm. to the point where uh, in 2013, I was facing uh, five felonies. Wow. And three of them for the first, first the same type of charge. Yeah. And I got, and I was, because of those five felonies, I was facing 13 years of prison. Ooh, wow. And that's where uh, for nine months, I decided to try to figure my life out and, and change and use all the personal development and use all the skills I had to change my life around. Cause I then had another child on the way. Um, mm. My daughter was born a month before I was released. She's been with me since um, the month I got out. So she was like two months old when I, um, she came into my custody. I've had her ever since been a lifesaver getting clean, becoming a, becoming an author, becoming a speaker, um, writing my own books, helping other people write their own books and being a copywriter, man, helping people to change the psychology. I also throw in there, just to throw it in there, because I wanted to figure out how to help other people do what I had done and figure out how I was able to do it and other people weren't able to, I went and got my master's in psychology with a focus mm. on life coaching because life mm -hmm. coaching was a rage and I figured I should get a, a degree as opposed to some certification from somebody. And mm. then now I'm working on my PhD in psychology with a focus on wow. performance. So there's a whole wow. shift in there. So it went up and it went down and then it went yeah. down again and it started and it's on its way back up. Wow. I, I got questions galore coming out of that. Uh -huh. I mean, that's really cool stuff. First question I got to ask is you, you mentioned that you're pursuing the PhD in psychology. Yes, Have you explored the world of positive psychology? Oh, I love positive psychology. Absolutely. Okay. Positive psychology is part of, so my dissertation is on um, life satisfaction, which comes out of positive psychology mm -hmm. um, and recovery capital. 
Okay, the recovery mm-hmm. capital are the tools that addicts use to and continue to um, stay in recovery, all right, to stay upstanding from use, uh, but also to help actually become better people. So uh, recovery capital. So how of life satisfaction and recovery capital in people with one year and two years of recovery? Because I'm looking at them and seeing like people mm-hmm. go back after a year. Yeah, I can muscle out for a year or whatever, tough it out for a year. But then something happens after that between there, between right. one, two, one year to five years. Cause after five years, that's the research shows that people tend to be able to abstain and, and change their life. So what's happening in that gap? And since it's a dissertation, I can't do a whole long, longitudinal study. I have to do like a little segment and just prove that I can do a study. I hear you. Yeah. And then I also want to step back toward, I guess about one third of the way into what you yep. talked about, because uh, you talked about how you you've been doing some personal development work. You yep. made some money. You were doing well with real estate, but you mm-hmm. ran into the drug issues, mm-hmm. and then you ran into the arrests. And yep. all of a sudden, th- this is something that just keeps happening over and over again in in, in the lives of so many people. And I just mm-hmm. I'm curious about your comment on it. We learn stuff. We we improve. We we work on stuff, and then it's almost like the universe tests us. Like, yep. okay, you've been doing all this work. Now let's see how well you can really do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, while I was in there for those nine months, I went on this a journey, a spiritual journey and reading a whole bunch of books and books that I had already read and books that knew that were being introduced to me. And I started writing this book on like, I don't know if I'm going to, cause I figured a test was coming. So I was like, mm-hmm. let me write all this stuff down while I'm sober minded and clear minded for my kids. Cause I don't know. I had failed that test multiple times. Every couple of years, I was finding myself locked up. Okay. So I felt that sense. Recidivism was over and over and over. But when I got out this time, that was my, that was my biggest test because my daughter's mother, mother went back out to the streets. She went back out to use it. Oh, wow. So now I'm trying to stay out of prison. I'm trying to stay clean. I'm trying to keep, get a job, trying to find housing and try to become a, be an actual daddy because, because I started using this stuff. I wasn't being a good, I wasn't being a daddy. I was a father to my son. But I wasn't being a daddy to him. Right, all, right. Right. Yeah. So now how do I figure out all those things at the same time? And those principles that I had written that God had downloaded to me while I was while I was locked up were the principles I had to live by. I had to start living out the principles that I was wanted to write a, my first book about. I mean, talk about having your back against the wall. Because yeah. I mean, well, just coming out of prison, that that alone is gonna put your back against the wall because there are so many odds that are stacked against you at that point. But mm-hmm. then also Mother is also unavailable, so so your son is completely dependent upon you. Mm-hmm. Comple- I mean, you've got to get it together, or he's in real, real trouble. That's having your back against the wall. Yeah, yeah. Now, so my son, my son at this time, he was older, but my daughter, my daughter's was born. She's two months old. Um, well, even more and, so then. Yeah, and then because now I do, I don't even know what to do with the girl. What what am I? What am yeah. I? To, I don't know what these parts how to do with these parts of a little girl. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Having to figure that's a whole other thing. So check out. I'm thankful for YouTube. A lot of things I learned on there about like how to take care of a little girl's hair, how to braid mm-hmm. them up, you know, how to dress them, and things of that nature. Uh, and then I have my I have my family too. My was, was a great blessing. So even I had a I had my back against the wall. I also had right between me and that wall was my family. If we're going to use mm-hmm. that metaphor, so I, I was I was blessed to have that strong family behind me. Mad as hell at me. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, but but you got to have the, that kind of connection. 
that mm-hmm. that's another theme that I've talked about a lot and I've noticed it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are studies, I'm sure you know this, you're pursuing a PhD in psychology. There are many, many studies that support the idea that probably the most important thing that you can do in your life in order to set yourself up for any kind of success is to have good connections, family yeah. connections, friend connections, business connections, all the different kinds of connections you can build because that really drives your success. Yeah, and I, and I like to hear, it was first brought to me by a guy named uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones, and I learned about him through several people, Zig Ziglar and all the big guys mm-hmm. like that, uh, Jim Rohn. But a guy named Charlie Tremendous Jones, he said, you'll be the same person you are today in five years. Five years from now, you'll be the same person you are today, except for the books you read and the people you meet. So mm-hmm. it's about how am I changing myself internally through the books and so forth, basically mentors, but then also how am I changing myself through the people in my immediate circle? Of course, Jim Rohn took it another step talking about um, your, the accumulation of the people, five people you're around the most. So who are you being around people that, yeah, the age old thing, nurture versus nature. And it's like, it's always both. <laughs> it's always both. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's, it's not like we are living in a little cave where this part of life doesn't apply, only this part over here, because there's that cave door right there, and that's it. That's the only – no, that's not the way it works. <laughs> we're, we're affected by all of it. We're affected by everything. Oh, yeah. We're vibrational. We're vibrational creatures. Everything else is vibrational. How are you not going to be affected by all the vibration that's out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we got to seek that out. Um, and that's one of the key things that was – one of the key pieces to my recovery and my growth – has is finding the right mentors to to develop the skills, but also to get around the other people who have mm-hmm. what I want. And I've mm-hmm. done that my entire life. When I was playing baseball, I went and got on a team called the Indiana Bulls. And the Indiana Bulls travel mm-hmm. all around the country playing mm-hmm. the top players in the in the country. Period. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the, the people on my team went to Ivy League school or top not schools, including Ivy League schools. They got drafted. They went to the league. All of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And same thing. I did the same thing when I was out there using drugs. I wow. went and found out who had the best dope. I wanted to see how they did it. And yeah, yeah. I was like, who's the best hustlers? I tried to get around the best hustlers in the area so I can learn how to get better at it. That's just mm-hmm. my mentality. So when it comes to figuring out this, the, the, the change and shift in my own self, I had to start getting around people who had what I wanted. And some of the recovery groups that I got around, I started finding the people in there who had the best messages, who was showing up all the time, who'd been there for a long time. I was like, all right, I need you to show me how to stop using. Okay. I need you. I really do need your help. And the same applies for <clears throat> when I was looking for that shift in my life. I got back into my books looking for uh, stories of people who had come from addiction to success, who had also become from uh, prison to success. So I started reading books like From the Bo- From the Block to the Boardroom by a guy named mm-hmm. Tracy Syfax. Mm-hmm. And I actually interviewed him. And I was like, how did you do it? Because I, I needed to be able to visualize what life could be like for me. And I needed mm-hmm. a personal story. And I wanted to learn from that person individual, uh, specifically to figure out, hmm, I can make this shift. And how do I make this shift? Role models. That's really what yes. we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And and you learned, you figured it out, you found your way. I mean, how how would you describe the answer you came up with? Because everybody's answer is going to be a little bit different. There's going to be a lot of similarities in the answers, right. but everybody's answer is going to be a little bit unique to themselves. So what what was your answer? Well, I wrote about it in my first book. Uh, the first book was Unlimited Potential, How to Stop Living with Fear, Doubt, and Uncertainty. And that gives you a clue into what was the problem. 
is once I had gone down that hole so far, I was doubting anything that I could do anything differently because right. everywhere I was, a lot of the places I was turning, people were like, ah, oh, you look great on paper and you, you present well, you speak well, but you also have this right here. You got this thing checked that says you have a felony. And because of that F on my report card, as I would say, I said, the only Fs I had on my report card, um, people would just dismiss me. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. there was a chain restaurant that I went into and they wanted to hire. They said, like, really, like, awesome, you're great. And they came back and the woman said, after looking at my, my, my resume and all that, she came back and says, we don't accept your kind. That oh, hurt. God. Whoa. Because Whoa. A part of me is like, are you talking about black folk? And I look like, no, she's got a bunch of Hispanics in the kitchen. So that ain't it, right? <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out. I, honestly, I wouldn't rule that one out. True. But I knew, I figured it had to be the fact that uh, of the felonies. Because uh, it wasn't wow. the only place that the large chain restaurants don't hire felonies unless you had a certain amount of time of being no felonies. Like you'd have to have like five years or something like that before they start hiring you. I get it on one aspect, but I don't get it on another aspect because it's like, well, how are you going to tell me you want to support somebody coming out and changing their life around and then you don't give them opportunities? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there is that too. Yeah. So it makes it more yeah. difficult and pushes people to go back the other direction because what they know. And <clears throat> for me, I had to start looking at how do I change this with myself? Period. Mm-hmm. I have to start depending more on myself. So when God part of my heart about uh, this idea of changing attitudes, beliefs, and commitments or ABCs um, and what he brought on to me was I also need to have a personal mission because I had people who are on purpose. As we think about people like Victor Frankl talking about, you know, having this meaningful, meaningful life, right? If I am going to become something and I have a purpose, a big enough, why I'm going to figure out all the rest of the stuff, despite what's going on. Right. So for me, I determined that, determined that as a personal mission. Because too many people look at purpose with this big eyes, like, oh, my God, I got to find my purpose. They're looking around for it all the time. And because they're looking for it, they're missing it. Because it needs cause their expectation is for it to look a certain way. Well, plus, it's an it intimidating does, thing. Let's be honest. It, the idea it is. It, 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 it is. I mean, come it on. It absolutely is. It's the age-old yeah. thing. And people try to figure it out. So for me, I, I said, I'm not worry so much about the personal, uh, about purpose, trying to find what that is. Because. I doubt God's going to open up and, you know, point down to you, sir, Shelby. You know, like, you're not going to go down this way. You're not going to be a burning bush all the time for me, you know. It's not going to necessarily happen, right? But what I could, what I did learn is that God can't steer a parked car. So what that means is that as I go on looking for my personal mission, if I am acting right and doing right, it's in his best interest to help me get to where he wants me to go. So he's going to guide me, put, bring the people, the places, the things, the ideas into me to kept course correcting me the same way that my Google Maps does. That's trust. Definitely. That's, that's, Absolutely. that's all about trust. Absolutely. <laughs> As that's trust. And even to another level is faith for me. Because sure. some people may not yeah. have that faith. In, in a, now, and, I, and, I, and just for those who don't believe in God, I do call it glue because it's all to me. We're all talking about the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. science talks about energy that connects us all. So, uh, and, and then, uh, we have spirituality that's, that we're all connected by the same energy. Okay. So mm-hmm. I call it glue, God, light, universe, energy, whatever, glue, the whole, just all together. Right. Sure. <clears throat> so all of this is all moving us in the right direction if we're believing in that. But I also needed to realize that I had the right, get the right attitudes, the right beliefs and the commitments. And that came from looking at, uh, people talk about their, their, their thinking. Their words, 
and their actions. And that creates our, creates what is a, uh, habits and the habits create a character and character creates a destiny. Like that's the whole long chain of all that. Well, I was mm-hmm. like, well, I obviously I understood that, but it wasn't working. So something's missing in here. And what mm-hmm. I found out for me is that attitude connects my, my thinking and my words. And the right attitude I, I, is the, the bridge between my thinking and my words. My belief systems bridge my, my, my words, the things I'm saying to myself and my actions. Cause I'm only going to act out of the beliefs that I are the beliefs that I believe I, that I can do. I want to go do those things I believe I can do. My commitments are those long-term actions connecting between my actions and my habits. The things I commit to, not just say I'm going to do it as a New Year's re- resolution. And here comes February and I'm like, I'm over it. <laughs> it's so easy wow, you, wait, you actually wait till February? I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I, I got, I got a lot of, a little more will than most people, but that comes from being a year, being an athlete. That's all that is. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> That's all that is. But when you start making those true commitments, then they immediately become a habit. They eventually become a habit. So I, I was like, I'm focused on the right attitudes. Attitude of gratitude, attitude of positive, positive attitude, all those things start connecting those two. Cre- increasing my belief systems. I started leaning on other people around me who could believe, who believed in me until enough until I started believing in myself. So I borrowed their belief in me until I could, until I had it for myself. And those things I was committed to, I slowly started figuring out how to change habits and figure out what I was truly committed to doing. And just focused on those things. Those things help me achieve what I believe is my personal mission right now. It may change again. Well, actually, I think a mission has to change. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. if you try to be, if you try to stick to one mission your entire life, you're probably going to stonewall at some point. Yeah, there are very few people yeah. can be like uh, Mother Teresa and so forth that like has that. That's yeah. that's not. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not most people, right? Yeah. Uh, she knew from a early age that she was going to go change lives and kids, and she was going to do it for the rest of her life. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Sam, I got to ask you because you've been listening yes. to Fortune Story so far. Yeah. What's, what's, what's going through your mind? What are you What are you reacting to here? So, I mean, it's a really fascinating journey. And one thing that you said towards the beginning was uh, mentioning a journey back to joy and. Mm-hmm. I love that because that absolutely resonates with me because I think we're like born like really joyful people and then life happens and then you kind of have to find your way back. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I guess like hearing your journey so far around like what point did you kind of start to feel where you're in a place where you have that joy and it's more tangible or accessible? That's a good question. Have we gotten there yet? I don't know. (laughs) No, I I have. I'm there. And as I, as I'm thinking about it and I'm starting to smile coming to my face that tells you that it's true for me is yeah, my that. daughter's middle name is Joy. Oh. So I didn't name her that. It was my, it was her mother who named her that, but mm-hmm. that she's taught me so much about love, even as, you know, as an infant mm-hmm. teaching me about love. Cause being in the environments I was in, I couldn't show softness. All that type of stuff. Like if yeah. I showed softness, the women I was around were going to try to hustle me or get someone mm. to hustle me. Like I couldn't do those types of things. So I had this stone face. I didn't show it, do a lot of expressions. You know, when I smiled or laughed or something like that or showed emotion, it was usually for a reason. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like free expression. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was my, it was, I have to say becoming an actual daddy when I finally figured out that this thing about being a daddy is worth it. Um, and I, that come, I may come across to some people who know my story, my, my son, and like, you didn't realize it then? No, I didn't. He was, he was with mm-hmm. his mother. I was 600 miles away when I was in, out there in college. I didn't know that. I didn't know that joy. 
Um, I do know that now, being a father and a daddy. I love that. And just like the fact that her middle name is Joy, even if you didn't make <laughs> her that, I don't think there are coincidences. So. No. No, as my good man, uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes would say, said, oh, yeah. God isn't that lazy. <laughs> I love that. I was very sorry, but I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very true. I, I'm, I'm also thinking about um, your name. You, you, you go by your last name, Fortune, and uh, it, it reminds me of a few things. One of the things it reminds me of is I, I don't know if you know this one. You probably do. I'm, I'm guessing, but I don't really know. It's called the Parable of the Farmer and His Fate. It's a Chinese parable. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, it's about where he comes there and then something's broken and then that one it keeps continuing it's, on like in a horse's name and then yeah 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 army good luck comes. bad luck who knows yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that that that's mm-hmm. what I, I I've been thinking about that good luck bad luck who knows good fortune bad fortune who knows you, mm-hmm. you you've been through a lot of of what might be labeled as bad fortune you've been through some stuff that could be labeled as good fortune yeah and and when we look at it and understand it that way then the question I have to ask you is. What does fortune mean to you now? Uh, me becoming a fortune here is about me becoming who God designed me to be. That, I mean, that's as simple as it gets. Mm-hmm. That is that is my mission, right? My real mission is to become who God designed me to be because for so long I denied him and pushed him to the side. Mm-hmm. And he and he he got tired of me pushing me to the, to the side until <laughs> he finally sat me down, right? He sat me down. It's like, you either going to listen or I'm going to send you to prison. Okay. Um, <laughs> Do we know the end of that? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's about that. And for that to, for that to be true for me, it requires me to continue going on this journey. And I was thinking about this earlier today when I dropped my daughter off. I, was, I would listen to this show called the, um, the, it's a show on quote, quote of the day show. And it got me oh. thinking about this idea about human being. It's like, hmm. I'm a human being, I'm no longer growing. So I shouldn't need to be a human becoming. Now, that's the idea I was meditating on earlier today. I am a human becoming. The moment I am being, I feel like I've arrived somewhere. I mean, that's just me just playing with words, but that's how my mind thinks. So I'm okay. constantly becoming something. And what am I becoming? Okay. And that's for me to define. And right now I'm defining it as whatever God wants me to be. That's mm-hmm. what a fortune is. My, and I have a long history of family members that are very spiritual and I believe in s- constant growth, which is a blessing that I've always had. That's great. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the perfect kind of modeling right there. That is I good. like that too. Cause I, yeah, I feel like we are always growing our, as humans, generally speaking. So it's like, yeah, being implies kind of stagnancy. We're becoming mm-hmm. still, right? and it also kind of forces you to ask questions like, what am I becoming? So I like that. Mm-hmm. I'll probably end up writing a blog or video on it or something like that. It's still percolating. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's the that's what development is. That that's what the journeys are all about. We talk about being on a journey all the time, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of everyday conversation in these circles. And mm-hmm. when you're on that journey, you are exploring. You're exploring not only your life, but and yourself and your relationship with God slash source slash universe slash whatever you want to call it. You're exploring mm-hmm. all that stuff, but you're also exploring your options, your powers, your beliefs, your your strengths. You, you mentioned one of them a moment ago. That you, I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but the gist of it was that was something under my control. That's what mm-hmm. we're looking for. We're looking yeah. for what's under my control. Where do I yeah. where do I have my power? Where do I have my strength? Because that we know, I think we kind of know it intuitively. We know that that's the route 
to finding that self-esteem, finding those connections, finding those successes in life. It has to start with what do I have? Where, where's the steering wheel? Where's the, where's the owner's manual? Where, those are the questions we're trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. And when we find those, sometimes we find them one piece at a time, but that's how we find our way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now have you heard about the, this, another parable, if you will, about this farmer and his um, garden? Farmer in the garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I need more than that. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's a preacher riding around his windy road out in the country. He looks out and he sees this field, this beautiful trees and flowers and the grass is lush. The garden is flush. So he pulls over to the side of the road because he sees the, 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 someone sent right on a tractor. Mm-hmm. This tractor gets closer and he tells the, the preacher sells over to the, to the farmer. Hey man, look how beautiful that God, look what God has done to this land out here. And the farmer is like, mm-hmm, yep. Should have, should have seen it before I got here. <laughs> because, oh because here's the, and he was like, and the preacher rides off and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to paraphrase the rest of the guy. The preacher rides off. He got his sermon for the day, right? Mm. Because the thing about it is even though God made all those things grow, universe and whatnot, made all those things grow and become beautiful. It also took that hand of man to come in there and till the soil and prepare it, mm-hmm. plant the seeds and so forth for God to do his work. So there's a little bit of both. Does that, does that mean God absolutely needs us? Probably not. But he used us and gives us an opportunity to be a part of procreation in all things, right? So I have to go find, as you said, the steering was giving me some pieces to help in this whole journey, to help beautiful, bring about more joy, mm-hmm. bring about more happiness, bring about more connection um, so that more people can fall into this thing and find it. But that also means I got to be an expression of that. And most of the time as human beings, we have to do, we do that through our work. Okay. That whether that's me literally being a spiritual worker or just living through spirit and all things in, that we're doing, such as this show, living in spirit, all things that I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. We all are still representation of some, something. And have you mm-hmm. defined what that is? Are you just living by happenstance? Okay. Yeah. I like that. That's good. That's really good. Uh, it also kind of resonates with me on a level of what we often call co-creation. You call, you were calling it procreation. We tend to call it co-creation. co-creation. I said procreation. <laughs> I have to make it maybe <laughs> co-creation. Yeah. Well, I, I was trying to be polite there. Pro- procreation. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, there is a burst going yes, on. So why not? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I'm glad we clarified that point, but, uh, but, but yeah, the co-creative piece is, it's basically a recognition. I mean, you, you made an interesting comment. You said, uh, does, does God really need us? Um, I'm not sure if need is the right word, but certainly we are a part of, and God is a part of us. I mean, we're, yep. we're, we're made of the same material, yes. the same mm-hmm. energy, you know? So yep. I, I always kind of laugh at anybody who tries to separate that. Like, what do you, you, how do you separate energy again? Could you please explain that part? Cause I don't quite grasp how you separate energy into pieces and the chunks. Uh, it causes but, a big explosion when you do that. I, I guess. Yeah. It's a new take on quanta. That's for sure. But uh, mm-hmm. no, I mean, energy is energy. And, and no matter how we understand it, no matter, no matter how we think about it, we are all connected via and through it. And we're all a part of it. So the idea that it, it, it operates separately from us just doesn't jive with me. It, I mean, no, it doesn't make no. any sense. Nope. You know, nope. it's gotta nope. be a part of the Not whole piece. Yeah. 
So good. I'm glad we clarified that about co-creation. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us a little bit more about the, uh, some of the things that you've, you've, you've developed recently. You've co-created recently. What, what, what are the oh, recent co-creations? Cool. So more recently, I've been focusing on helping people to write their books. Um, uh-huh. Writing of all sorts, really. This, this idea of psychology and understanding human performance and really diving into it. Cause I'm the type of guy that sits around in the background watching people and figuring out what their moods are and what they're doing, why they're doing stuff like that. Um, that stuff in the, it, it empowers me. Like it makes you feel like, Oh, I can change lives. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, but I don't know how to necessarily do it properly. Early, earlier in my early twenties, I basically was preaching to everybody. And they always would say, stop preaching. Cause I was always like, you can do this. You can do that. Like, no, no, no. Cause that's, that's where my early personal development came from was preachers. So I didn't sure. know any differently than to, to come across that way. Now I've learned to soften the blow and slowly uh, come in, uh, meet people where they are and bring mm-hmm. them up to the, where they can be. And that is something I can do, learn to do through speaking and through writing. But there are other people out there who haven't learned those skills. They have the ability. They have these messages. They have this talents, if you will. To help people, whether relationships, uh, whether that's in their health, there are all types of genres, right, where people can help others to grow and become better. But they don't know how to put those words onto the pa- written page. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. as we're having this conversation, you can correct me singing procreation. But if I, print, <laughs> if I put the print the book out there and it goes out in the world, other people going to be like, what? <laughs> Is that what he really? <laughs> it's too late. So you need someone to help you translate your what your your ideas into the written word. Mm. And um, you know, I do have editors to to catch stuff like that too. So that always helps. Yes, <laughs> nothing like a good editor. Nothing <laughs> like a good editor. Oh man, they are invaluable. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's what I do with my uh, signature book formula: is help people who have a message. To mm-hmm. share out with the world, help them get that message out in the written form, in the form of books, and then help them grow the other products around the business uh, and around the book if they need it to become better speakers, to create courses, turn them into seminars, things of that nature. Uh, I'm not in the seminar yet. It's in my mind to help someone do that, but uh, then help people actually more speaking, I should say. That is what my main focus is right now and creating the sales funnels to help them do, to do all of that. When I'm sales funnels, I mean, for those who don't know, are the it's the process that someone goes through to buy your stuff. Okay. Online. So <laughs> online was well, online yeah. and offline. So a sales. Well, funnel, that's true. You can have an offline. Yeah. Sales yeah offline funnel, sales funnel. So it's, when you go into McDonald's, that is a sales funnel. They're true. upselling mm-hmm. you and moving you on. It's a sales funnel is anytime someone to buy, you buy something from somebody, whatever it is, you, you got to add in the paper that tells you to come buy some apples because they're on sale. That is a sales funnel. True. Okay. And I, someone like me, a copywriter would write the ad, the copy, the words on that ad to get you to come in and buy those apples. Mm-hmm, That's what a copywriter mm-hmm. like such as I would do. Now you have other people that sells people all around the place. Now, the other part of that is emails. Cause we're talking about online mainly for me is the emails to help people stay nurtured, to stay in a conversation with them and to actually help them buy. Notice I said help them buy when they are ready to buy. Mm. Yeah, that well, that, that also kind of points to something that you were you were kind of inferring it, uh, but I kind of want to bring it out here because yep. I think it's an important piece. You talked earlier about how you were uh, trying to preach to people, and yep. it wasn't really working quite the way you, you'd hoped it would, understandably. Uh-huh. And then you, you, you talked about softening. I think the way I would translate that is you learned to help people who are ready to be helped. Mm-hmm. 
And, yeah. and that's, that, that's kind of where I, I sense that the whole direction shifted. Like, I'm not going to try to help somebody who's not ready for this yet. I ha- and I, I learned that the hard way. I learned that the hard way. People, people will build resentments against oh, yeah. you for trying to do good in their life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? People will, okay, I would say this for y'all out there who got a lot of love and you want to help a lot of people. People will build resentments against you for trying to help them when they don't want to be helped. That's right. Some, and, and I, it, uh, is there a language barrier on this? <laughs> okay. So there is some people can get comfortable in the shit. They get, they get, they get comfortable in it. And the moment you try to pull them out of it, they're, they're, they're out of their comfort zone and they want to go back into it. it it's baffling, <laughs> but it's true. I isn't was one it, of those. I saw, I, mean, I know what it feels like. <laughs> but isn't it baffling? Let's be honest. When, when you're yeah. looking at it, you say, how could they do that? And you kind of forget that you were in that space yourself. I mean, yeah. cause it just seems like, wow, why would anyone want to do that? And yet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Like, come on, man. You know what? But, the, but there is something to say again about planting the seed. They mm-hmm. go back to that story, the, the parable with the farmer and so forth that, you, I might be the person that just chills the soil, just gets it ready for someone like you, Walt, to come in and plant the seeds of have happiness. And then for Sam mm-hmm. to come around later on to, to start watering that seed. And then for the next mm-hmm. person for it to bloom. We don't know what that is. So it's not about not saying anything, but it might be like only saying something like, I love you, man, or you're doing a fantastic job or I believe in you or giving a hug. That might be all that's necessary that you in that in that moment, and it takes that's a time lot. To what, that is a lot. It takes time to it is which 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 what you need to do there, um, and I, that's trial and error, really. <laughs> it is, it is, but but it uh, it, it goes beyond that. I mean, we 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 grew up in an era where mm-hmm. men have been, in particular, women have had plenty of stuff that they've been dealing with, but the but the yep. stuff that men have been dealing with largely are tied to. Um, the emotional sphere dealing with, you were talking earlier about how you didn't dare uh, express, you know, just a true emotion about something because it'd be misinterpreted yeah. either by men or by women, depending on, you know, who you were talking about. And, and mm-hmm. it, it's a persistent issue today, continues today, but there, there has been growth. There has been improvement. Uh, and yet it, it, it's a challenge. It's an ongoing challenge trying to find a way to how, how do I get to that point where I'm, I'm truly myself, truly my allowing my emotional side to come out. And in the process of that emotional side coming out, how can I handle the fact that that's going to have impact on other people? And sometimes they're not going to like it. Not going to like it. More than likely, Mm. they're not going to like it. Yeah. Well, okay. (laughs) Depending on your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, again, and that that, that also plays into your environment. Mm. When I get into an environment, when I got into environments where people are all for you getting vulnerable and growing, mm-hmm. then they're all for you saying being vulnerable so you can grow. Right. But there are other environments like, nah, man, we don't talk about stuff like that. I man, let's talk about the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. there are environments for that. I had to learn that. And there's a reason why emotional intelligence became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there and there's there's several more that have come out since then. I was actually trying to find um, something I found on my way back from Mississippi. There was another book 
that I found that I figured you would really like if you haven't read it, <laughs> that you would be interested in. So if I get it up, if I find it over here, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. But right. the idea is again, is about positive psychology and tra- mm-hmm. changing that emotion, the, the emotion. So that in a the self talk there. So both of them together, there's the idea that I can't say certain things, but then I'm denying who I am. And why would I deny who I am? There, and there's, there's this, there can be this misbelief that by showing my emotion that I am now weak. Mm. And to me, and, there, and there's, there's other arguments for by showing your emotions, you're actually being strong because wow. other people say you shouldn't. There's a lot of strength that come out and put like, like my daddy told me, uh, for Easter when I was in, we were living in Germany at the time. So I was about five and my mom bought me a pink shirt. Mm-hmm. And to make me feel better, because I'm like, that boys don't wear pink shirts. Daddy's like, uh, it takes a strong man to wear pink. Ooh. <laughs> so so oh. he tried to reverse it on me. You, you okay. get what I'm saying? So not that I've worn pink ever since then, but I have no problem wearing pink now. <laughs> you yeah. get what I'm um, but there's this bit that that shift, and it's not going to go all across everywhere, because there's mm. going to be certain cultures that's still going to believe, no, men don't oh, do yeah. that, period. So, but in the United States, there's a, there's, we have the ability to just be who we're going to be. Uh, and you still make up, you're going to face lashback, but that's going to be a lashback from everywhere, no matter what you say. Mm-hmm. As long as you take a stance and you're, if you're sitting back, let's, you're sitting back and not doing anything, then yeah, there's, there's no, there's no chance of anybody having any, facing any lashback. But when you do stand up for who you are, stand up for who you're trying to be, what is that is emotionally, that's mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever that you're standing up for, there's going to be someone who doesn't like it. So if someone's going to like what you do, no matter what, you might as well (laughs) stand up for what it is that you believe in, who you want to be. Yeah. Well, there's also going to be uh, a sort of an exercise benefit to it. Uh, Just, you know, like if you go to the gym to exercise or you go take a run or whatever it is that you do, um, if you're doing physical exercise, Mm -hmm. just the repetition of it, it's going to make you stronger over time. So the same thing applies here. Every time that we put ourselves out there just a little bit, doesn't have to be a lot, Mm -hmm. just put ourselves out a little bit in terms of expressing something that, uh, you know, was not always considered to be okay. Mm -hmm. We make ourselves stronger in the process. I think that's part of what you experienced. I mean, let's be honest, you went through some pretty hellish stuff. Mm-hmm. And going through that really, really hellish stuff, you went through a lot. You, you called it lashback. I would have called it pushback, but I understand why you call it what you did. I, because you were oh, probably getting lashback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Serious pushback there. But it also made you stronger because you kept learning a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more to trust in what you were putting out there because it was the real you. It's, you were reinforcing that. Yeah. And, and it was a safe space. I mean, it, mm-hmm. uh, this, is the, this is one of the beautiful things about being in 12-step programs is that that becomes a safe space. And I see people who was gangsters and so forth, and they're in there crying mm-hmm. about their kids and things, things mm-hmm. that are going on, right? Um, and even when I was when, – when a time when I was locked up, there were bikers that came in there. Mm. They, they had the whole biker still, like the vests and all that with the patches and everything. But they had given up like the outlaw badges and uh, patches. And these ones say, I love Jesus. 
Hmm. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. and these are men in here who are like, I used to kick in doors, blow a head off, da 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 da. They're saying all this stuff, just freely saying they used to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And here they are talking about you can change. If I can change from what I did and come out here and they're praying and they're and they're showing their love and so forth, they go from that biker gang to where they are now. That's look, that's that's a tremendous change. And it's about being in those safe those safe spaces to be able to do that. And if you do not. I feel sorry for those who are not able to find those safe places because, and you know, as we say, sometimes they say in foster rooms, it's like the, the normies out there don't get a chance to do stuff like this and truly have mm-hmm. growth like this. You know, they have to find a confidant that they can have. Hopefully they have a really good friend that they can go out and share this stuff with their emotional stuff. But a lot of them don't know that they do. Yeah. That's a great point. It's a really great point. It also reinforces what we were talking about earlier when we talked about the importance of those connections that we build in our yes, lives. Absolutely. absolutely. Cause that's where that comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know people who have not built up connections. <laughs> I was one of them for many years. Um, mm-hmm. Doing a podcast helped turn that around, but yeah, um, I've, I've known many people. Well, I'm sure you can imagine that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> not hard to imagine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and what you don't know, listeners know, but you don't know. I actually went through a divorce uh, over the last five months, and okay. the connections that I built up here made a huge difference in getting through all that. Just Good made stuff, a gigantic difference. Yeah, so those connections are really, really valuable. But I know people who haven't built up those connections. Oh my God, their lives are rough, mm-hmm. really, really rough. Mm-hmm. I, that's we why I talk about it a lot. We are, yes. Even if we pretend that we're not. <laughs> that's what it Seriously. is. Pretending. That's what it is. Pretending it is. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. the fact that we are social means that the more that we not just acknowledge it, but put it into practice, mm-hmm. that's, that's the road out of whatever it is that we're in. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. There, there's a, there's a reason that we had to form as groups mm. in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. We see men, that, that's all across the daggone uh, animal kingdom, where there yeah. are lots of species that form in groups. That doesn't mean they all like each other, but <laughs> they form in groups, right? Someone has to dominate, and that's just the way it is out in the wild, mm-hmm. right? And as we, as humans, had to figure out how do we survive, that is, I need you to go do this over there. I'm going to go do this over there. We're going to come back and talk about our day at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's the way the world has been for so long. We've survived off of that thing. Now what we do when we go out there has changed, but they're still at the end of the day coming together and being like, hey, how did your day go? What did you learn today? Tell me something good. Still needs to be there. And social media makes it easier to do that, but then people abuse it and they only talk about the positive stuff. So now I don't want to talk about how bad my day was. Or the person that comes on and talks about their bad day now gets bad mouth because you said something negative or just said, mm-hmm. but you told the truth. And again, there goes that good and bad. Is it good or bad? No, I'm just trying to get, the, I need to share who I am, share who I am. I thought this was a safe place. It may not be a safe place. Isn't it interesting? Social media gets beaten up a lot. <laughs> it does. It gets beaten up a lot. And, and, and the people who beat it up, uh, and I certainly played my own role in, in this as well. But the people who beat it up, beat it up in one of two ways primarily. I mean, you, you can group it a lot of different ways, but I'm going to group it in, in one of two ways. They either beat it up for being too negative or for being too positive. Mm-hmm. Like, well, <laughs> is there anything else? Have we, have we have we skipped something else that we could beat it up on? I mean, <laughs> no, no. Is it all neutral? No. Yeah. 
and, and and that goes back to the other parable. Another parable about you know um, the man was leaving from his from his town, and on his way into another town, he sees an old lady on there uh, on the side of the road. I don't know why these people are always on the side of the road, but anyway, on the side of the road, well, they have to have something to, to make the parable work. So that's why they were there. You know. <laughs> he said, and he's like, "Hey, um, I'm leaving from this town." And he's like, I just want to know what what the, what the people in this town are like. And the old lady was like, well, what do the people in the old town like? He said, they were mean, despicable, this, that, and the other. And she's like, well, you'll find the same thing in this town. So it's like wherever you go, you're going to see those same thing. If we go to a scientific level, we have the reticular activating system, right? right? And so we're constantly filtering out, even though there's good happening in front of us. If I have programmed my mind to see negativity, I'm going to filter out all of the positive stuff, and I'm only going to see the negative. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. The, the, the phrase that says, wherever we go, we take ourselves with us. Oh, yeah. It, it's both insightful and annoying as hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm just trying to leave myself at home today and just be out here for you really right now. This, this ain't working. And look, look, the only way I know to do that is go back out to them drugs. And I don't want to go back there. That's no, the only way I, I was able to find that. a way to leave myself at home. Mm. And yeah. That a good place to be. Yeah. It, well, it, it's ongoing, isn't it? It's an ongoing yes. um, exploration, an ongoing journey, an ongoing personal development. However you want to label it, it's ongoing. It's continuous. Mm-hmm. And it, it, um, I, I like the way Abraham Hicks says it. Um, you'll never get it wrong and you'll never get it done. <laughs> right. Isn't that good? Yeah, as long as you're constantly going, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the way it always is. Yeah, you'll never get it wrong. You'll never get it done. I like the first part especially because it takes all that good and bad part out, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we were talking about before, people labeling, no, oh, this is good, this is bad, and so forth. Um, in fact, it reminds me of something that one of my co-hosts and I talked about a number of years ago, and I, I still try to practice it to, these, to this day. I try not to think about things in terms of being good or bad. I try to think of them in terms of do I prefer them or do I not prefer them? Take all that stigma off of it. Take all that baggage Mm -hmm. off. So basically, it's neither good nor bad. It's just not for me. Exactly. Or it is for me. Or it is for me, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it does a lot of things. First of all, it makes it easy for me to appreciate that which I don't like. Mm -hmm. Which is, God, that's invaluable. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Right, Sam? Yeah, you know all yeah, about that. Definitely. You know what that's like, yeah. <laughs> right, appreciation is just key for kind of overcoming a lot of the baggage that you have and such. And like most people, the normies, if you will, think you're crazy for that. But it's not like, <laughs> yeah, whatever bad happened to me is more just like a deeper understanding of why it mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, because you're yeah. taking the charge out of it is what you're really doing. We we, yeah. we put these these negative yeah. charges on things by saying, "Oh, bad, 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 bad." You take that charge mm-hmm. out, it's like, "Oh, oh, well, it's just it's just a thing." That's all. It happened. It happened. Yeah. <laughs> it happened. And, and, and one thing I had, one perspective I try to give to my mentees is because I, I also mentor people that are coming out of the system, um, whether that's the prison system or coming out of like. Um, the childcare system, things of that nature, right? Mm. So uh, is that those things that have happened, we can label them good, we can label them bad, but either way, you're here now. So they, they're they not, and if we've done the work, that power that they had over you as a child or at that moment, at that time, is still not there. So the thing that's happening right now, it too, if you continue living and continue growing, will lessen and be weaker than it was. It's about what you are giving control to. Mm. 
And that for me is not, not for ignoring any of the things that are, that pull me backwards or whatnot, but understand that that's part of the process. Things are going to happen that are untoward. Uh, positive things don't happen all the time or whatever. Things don't always push you forward, but I can use those things to push me forward no matter what. If I have the right tools, if I can look at the fact that I was locked up for nine months and be truly upset with the way that the judicial system put me in here, this and that sure. and the other, I can oh, say yeah. that. I did the crimes. I didn't, <laughs> like I did them, you know, um, and there's a lot more stuff that I didn't get caught for. A mm. lot more stuff I didn't get caught for, right? Um, not that I was like, you know, raping and doing all the killing and all that type of stuff. I was just stealing stuff to get high. That's what I was doing, okay? <laughs> okay, that's what I was doing. And I didn't get caught most of the time, majority of the time. So that handful of times out of years of doing it, okay? Or I can look at it as like, that was opportunity for me to sit down and really get reconnected with God and re really find who I am so that I can be better prepared for my daughter. God knew what he was doing. He sat yeah. me down so that when I came out, when I came out, I was prepared to actually become a daddy and a father. But I didn't see that at the time. I just knew I was locked up. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah. they weren't telling me when I was going to get out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you mentioned your daughter, whose middle name is Joy. My cat, Joy, just jumped up on the table. So there's a girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> there it is. Joy all over the place. <laughs> hey, we're, we're starting to run out of time. I want to make sure we uh, uh, get a couple things in here. First of all, you, you have the book. You have a number of programs that you do. Tell us a little bit about how do people reach out to you and how do they find stuff that would perhaps help them on their journeys? Excellent. Uh, my... So D Arlando Fortune, um, D A R L A N D O. So it's like Orlando, but with an A. D Arlando Fortune dot com. Mm -hmm. You'll find out all the services that I that I provide there. Okay. The main thing that we do there again is turning your your ideas into the written word, whether that's onto emails or to to books. Now, if someone has been hearing this or been listening to your show and decided they they've been thinking about writing a book have started writing a book and just are just like, I want to write one, but they don't want to write it themselves. I do have a 16 minute video at signaturebookformula.com. And mm. we can go there and watch that 16 minute video. It'll take you through some of the people that I've worked with and my process. So you actually know exactly what it, what, what I'm doing with you when you come work with us. Okay. Um, outside of that, one thing I want to, I want to share with people who are, who, and people who listen to your show, I'm pretty sure have, a mindset that they've been through some things and they want to help other people. I don't think yeah. people come to just listen to the show that they don't want to help other people. True. And if so if you've been thinking about trying to write a book, you're not necessarily ready to write it yet, but you got ideas. I want to give this to you. It, it, it is one of my tools for helping people overcome their, um, overcoming their writer's block. Cause I don't necessarily believe in writer's block. I think it's poor preparation. The, the idea here is working back to psychology with two, two psychological principles. That's the Zygarnik effect. And, um, intuitive elaboration. Okay. Here's what that means. The Zygarnik effect is the reason why when someone asks you about the name of a movie or a song and you can't remember it right then, but then an hour, two hours, a week later, the name pops into your head. Uh -huh. That is a Zygarnik effect. Okay. And, and, and working. It needs to close the loop. I never knew they had a name. That's cool. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it needs to close that process. So that's why it, 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 your brain needs to close loops. Okay. That's one thing. The other thing, a, um, intuitive elaboration is what happens when a person asks you a question. Mm-hmm. When a person asks you a question, your brain wants to answer that question. It's the reason why you can be doing something, fully focused into something. If someone asks you a question, you will completely forget what you were doing. And start answering and when you go to answer that question, because your brain essentially shuts down everything else to focus on your question. Right. So what do, what do, how do we help? How do we use these two principles to help you write better? Well, I call it the four brain system. Okay. Very quickly, I'll go for the first three because the, the, those two principles apply to the fourth step. The first mm-hmm. step is to do a brain dump. So we're just going to, whatever the topic is, you're one of the writing on, you're going to jump all that stuff down on a piece of paper. I mean, all of it. Mm-hmm. All of it, the stupid stuff, the silly stuff, whatever you can put UFOs on there. You don't know where it came from. Just put it on your because your brain know where it came from. It just needed to get it out there so it can mm-hmm. let you get to the real thought behind UFOs. But if you hold off and start filtering UFO out, then you don't get to the other thought that was actually behind UFO. Dump it all out. Period. You can you can sort them out later. <laughs> Which is the yeah, next step. Absolutely. <laughs> brainstorm. So just like you did back in maybe in, in elementary school, you had these like brainstorms where you had to, you take the groups of words and you put them around, you create a brainstorm. Okay. And through the brainstorm, you're grouping ideas that seem similar. And there's going to be a handful of them that don't make any sense. Like UFO, UFO probably doesn't belong on your, <laughs> on your brainstorm. <laughs> so you keep it off to the side. Okay. But all the rest of them kind of form groups and you put them into those brainstorms. Then you take that brainstorm and you put it onto paper into a brain, a brain map. You guys might know of it as an outline, mm-hmm. but that doesn't go with the whole brain for brains thing. So it's a brain map. Okay. So <laughs> you're taking your brainstorm and you're organizing it into a, an outline essentially. And you may want to flesh out some ideas on there now, uh, just so you have, you feel comfortable with this is a complete, a fairly complete, uh, outline. So your brain map. Now, from there, that's where people usually stop. And they start trying to write. And then they, so they pull up this idea, I'm going to write chapter one, and I got this cursor that's just blinking. <laughs> and it's like, how do I start? How do I start? Well, the is a good way to start. <laughs> now, essentially, and, I, and I, just at the side point, and I come back to the, as a side point, I went to a a weekend seminar we're teaching about how to write books and mm-hmm. what, one thing they had us do is pull out a piece of paper and write the on a piece of paper and then they had a text or a message out to on facebook social media wherever you wanted to that i'm the author of an upcoming book because the moment i wrote the down but okay that's a side note but it was kind of cool so again we went to brain brain dump Brain, um, brainstorm, brain map. Now, the final thing is a brain prompt. And this is where those two psychology principles come in. We take our outline and we turn them into questions. So now that ah. goes with intuitive elaboration. So instead of me writing down the first point, I'm answering the first question. It's easy for you to answer the question on something that you're, you're an expert in. Okay. Now, I like to have my authors write for a certain amount of words. Um, or a certain amount of minutes, whichever one you wanted to feel comfortable, use a certain amount of words. And I want you to kind of stop in there. I don't care if you're in mid thought that you stop writing. Cause guess why? Zygarnik effect. Now that I've stopped writing in mid thought, my, even though I'm not thinking about it, just like I'm not necessarily focused on remembering what that, the name of that movie was, my subconscious is still working on it. 
So I know, consciously I know I stopped in the mid-thought, right, mid-writing this morning, right? But I'm not thinking about it now. I'm going on with the rest of my day. My subconscious mm-hmm. is figuring out the next sentence, the next paragraph, and figuring it out. So when I sit True. down to write the next morning, I'm picking up where my where I left off. My subconscious already finished those thoughts. So that's how to use those two that would eliminate your writer's block. That's really interesting because I, I've written a book. I also edited a book. And uh, when I was writing my book, it was a novel. Uh, yeah, it might not work uh, for novels. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it does. It does. Okay. I mean, I, probably not quite the way that you were describing it because it's a little bit more of a creative process. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap there. And and what, what I found myself doing, I I I would, I, I was having trouble putting this story together at the beginning. I was trying to figure out what is the story. What story am I telling here? Um, I mm-hmm. I knew certain messages I was trying to include because it was supposed to be somewhat non-fictional. And mm-hmm. somewhat fictional, sort of an overlap going on there. <laughs> yep. But I, I didn't have a clear idea. I knew it had to be a good story. I didn't have a clear idea what that story was going to be. So it took mm-hmm. me a little while. And I started piecing things together. I, my, my sister has a background in theater, so I was running stuff by her, and she was giving me feedback. And that was really uh-huh. helpful. And then I reached a point where all of a sudden, bam, I got the storyline. Because the storyline basically is something that builds up to some sort of a crisis or a climax and then concludes. You know, I, I had that storyline. I, I could see how it was going. And then I couldn't get it out fast enough. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so it kind of goes back to that first step you were talking about. Just get it out there. Get it out. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't make sense out of it. There was the, what I put down in paper, it's like, what the hell is that? But it was all there mm-hmm. and it was all out. And, and actually more came out later on, I found out. But most of it was out at that point. And then as I was going through the process, for the moment that you write, you're actually starting to edit whether you want to or not. It's just yes. the way the, the mind works. Yep. You know, so, so as, as I'm going through that, that early editing process, you know, I, I get to this point that I'm writing this story and I'm saying, okay, what happens there? And probably the best thing I would do is I'd walk away from the computer. I'd walk away from the cursor. I wouldn't let that cursor stare at me. It's like, I, I was just wanting to answer that question because that's what you talked about. Step four, mm-hmm. answer the question. I was answering the question, what happens next? Mm-hmm. And then I get another surge of information. It's like, okay, yep. get it all, get it all, get it yep. all. You know, so it's not all that different from the nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's like, you know, spurts of stuff that just is, is flowing out and, and your whole goal is to get out of your own way so you can spurt it out there. Get out of your own way. Exactly. Yeah. Big thing. <laughs> Exactly what happens. So, yeah, for anybody, well, for anybody that, if you don't mind here, I put it in. You can go to d.arlandofortune.com forward slash four brains to get. We'll that make sure that's. We'll put that in the show notes too. Make it easier for people to find it. Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. I love that. Um, something else I need to tell you too before you yeah. go. As you pointed out, the the people who listen to a show like this are people who want to help other people. It's also true for the people who come on to a show like this. And it's certainly <laughs> true for you. Well, I call them givers. People give. Yeah. People yeah. who come onto the show are givers and you're definitely a giver. And one thing that givers don't get enough of, in my opinion, is recognition for the people that they'll never meet, they'll never see who they helped. You came onto this show. You helped people that you've never seen that you never will see. You came onto other shows. You did the same thing. You teach people uh, through your website. You teach people, you know, through your books. You you you, you help people in so many different ways. And you never see a half of it. I mean, some of them you see, some of them you talk to, but most of them you never do. No. And I think it's important to recognize that. So on behalf of those people that you've never met and that you've never seen, thank you for what you've been doing and for what you continue to do. Well, I appreciate it, and I guess I should say the same to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. You too, Sam. Oh, of course. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. This has been a lovely conversation. I mean, yeah. 
Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, got, got a summary for us, Sam? Like a, if you point to one thing that really stood out above all the others that you heard that Fortune was telling us. I think just like how much like um, perspective and mindset can help overcome anything and just like having, finding that connection with like God, source, whatever, or glue, 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 yes. glue. Yes, um, glue. And yourself can like really kind of take you back where you need to be if you lose your way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think we finally answered the question. Not only does fortune favor the the bold, fortune is bold. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Even more. And we appreciate you everything. You can't build a fortune without being bold. Absolutely. And, and we appreciate everything that fortune had to tell us. So thank you, fortune. We, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate your story. And we appreciate what you're doing. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. God bless. All right. Thank you guys much. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.